Welcome to the Ladies Who Launch. Join Alyssa and Dakota every other Wednesday as we launch conversations about the chaos that is life. Tune in every other Wednesday and don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Launch. And uh, we are back with a whole bunch of um, great ideas for small businesses, uh, social media-wise and marketing-wise for the rest of 2020, because 2020 has been so weird as it is. So I'm going to pass it off to Dakota because she actually has a really good rant today about this topic that I think a lot of people will find resonates with them. So Dakota, rant away. (laughs) Awesome. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Thanks for hopping back on to take another listen to Ladies Who Launch. So today, I just really quickly want to rant a little bit about platforms and subscriptions. So platforms being apps and things that we use to make our lives easier. Oftentimes, I find it makes my life actually harder to use a lot of uh, platforms and subscriptions. Um, Being a social media management consultant and digital marketing consultant, you can imagine the amount of apps and subscriptions that we at Social Centric have. Um, One of the things that I really wish someone would get on, and if I had more time, it would be me, and trust (laughs) me, I thought about it, is one third-party app that does it all. One of the things that I really dislike is the fact that, you know, I'm on Buffer, Hootsuite, or Sprout, to post to you know three channels from a third-party perspective. But then when it comes to Instagram stories, I have to either do them manually or I have to download an entirely new app to do those. Um, I understand that there's new channels coming out every year, uh, but it'd be nice if someone could create an interface that worked with basically any kind of channel for third-party posting in addition to giving me really in-depth reporting. To date, my favorite one that I like to use is called Sprout Social. However, it's going to run you around 150 and up per month US. That's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I like it. It's definitely a, a, a very important tool to my business. And so I don't mind paying. And I build that pricing, obviously, into my fees. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny. What I probably use like five to several other apps for other things. Um, and have very succinct processes. But I got to say, just the subscriptions, I look at my budget every year and I'm like, okay, QuickBooks, Sprout, um, you know, MailChimp, um, like SurveyMonkey, like all the different subscriptions, I swear, eat up 70% of my operational, well, probably more like 40% of my operational costs. But either way, um, if anybody out there knows of some cool apps to keep you organized that kind of interface with everything, definitely leave us a DM um, at our, on our Instagram account or in, in any of the comments on Instagram or Twitter. I would love to hear a little bit more about what you guys are using from a organizational standpoint for really anything to do with business. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, I don't do social, obviously social media management is part of my consultancy, but even just managing my own channels, uh, it, I find overwhelming. And I think you're totally right in the fact that there is not a 
there is not a software program that manages all of it. You need you need a, an analytics side of it. You need a you need an app that does does um, does Insta stories. And the only app that I've found that you can actually uh, schedule your Insta stories is Later, um, which is a cool app. But again, it's another another separate app that you have to have to be able to to schedule stories. So even just from a, from a layman's perspective, like someone who just manages their own business accounts directly and not having to deal with like 50 or 60 client accounts, it's really gets frustrating. Like a, the cost gets prohibitive at some point where you're just paying so much money to, um, to get subpar results. Like I find too, that in a lot of, whether it's Sprout or Hootsuite or any of sort of the analytics programs, they all sort of provide subpar analytics. I agree. I agree. Completely subpar. That's why I say I like Sprout because you can actually create up to 45 different custom reports and the reports are super in-depth. They're real time. There's there's never any mistakes made. If there is a mistake made, their support team will connect connect with you immediately. It's full suite, very intimate service. I really like it. Interesting, but, but you yeah, said it's like 150 for the, uh, US. for the average small business owner, it's probably not attainable. Yeah. For the average small business owner, I would recommend Buffer. My only grievance with Buffer is that you have to sign up for a third-party posting subscription. And then in addition to that, you have to sign up for a reporting subscription. So depending on what you're looking for, um, it's either one or the other or both. Yeah. But I think, I mean, the cost of subscriptions can be its own lady rant in itself because they, I mean, it's unbelievably ridiculous how much money um, small business owners have to put out in subscriptions and everything now is a subscription, which I totally understand. It's a business model and these, these companies have to make money too, but every little piece that comes out of your account just adds up and suddenly you're in thousands and thousands of dollars a year for subscriptions. And then you start auditing of what you're actually using. And you're like, I don't even really use half of this stuff. But I think that's how they get you, especially with auto renewals. Like I've got caught in that a few times where um, you have a subscription and you don't use it, but you forget about it. And then suddenly like on your credit card statement, you see the auto renewal for $300 US. And you're just like, what? And you're like, oh, right. I forgot to cancel that. So that's how they get you too, is the auto renewals on, on subscriptions you don't even use anymore. It's the, it's almost just a racket at this point. A hundred percent. It's just ridiculous. Absolutely. Anyway. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, leads us into the topic of the day. We're going to do a little bit of a social media 201 for the latter half of 2020, as Alyssa was saying, we're going to chat about a couple different things. Alyssa had some questions for me as the social guru of our team. Um, but yeah, we wanted to give you guys a bit of a quick little update on some trends for 2020 that small businesses in particular can use in order to amplify their efforts. Um, but before we do, Alyssa, why don't you tell us a little bit more about, or a little bit about, um, the marketing piece and the bigger picture piece and how just, just a nice reminder of how social media fits in with that as a tactic. Right. Um, yeah. Tell us a little more about like how, how marketing kind of has to, has to pivot. I, st- I like that word. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> how, marketing, 
<laughs> My code is the only one that likes the word pivot. Okay. Um, so here's the thing. I mean, we're going to talk about social today in terms of specific channels and, and how it can work for a small business. But small business owners need to understand that, and, and the general public, quite frankly, needs to understand that social media is a tactic. And if your entire plan or your entire um, business relies on social media, you're missing out on 95% of the actual structure around how you should be marketing your business. Because just like public relations is a, is a tactic, so is social. And so those pieces, social media fits into a larger um, a larger umbrella. So for example, if you're a small business, you need a fulsome marketing plan that includes your target markets, the other the other venues and the other vehicles that you're using for your marketing, whether it's direct e-newsletters, whether it's blogs, whether it's um, PR tactics in terms of media relations or using influencers or um, any of those pieces. Because if you're not looking at the whole picture, putting all your eggs in the Instagram basket is a losing effort. I mean, it may seem like it's it's successful, but ultimately from your business perspective, you don't have a full 360 degree view of your business. So what I try to explain to people and what I do in my consultancy is actually put together those full 3,000 foot views of your business and all the pieces that fit into that, of which social is one. But you know what? Social, depending on the type of business you have, social may not even be your largest or most important piece of your 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 plan. It may have a, a, a smaller role or you may have one channel that works. But I think this whole idea and, and this whole um, sort of structure of all of these, these, these social people, social consultants who are popping up everywhere that are like, I'm just an Instagram expert and I'm going to help you get um, all your business on Instagram. I mean, that's just not relevant. And it's not a, it's not a long-term strategy uh, because it's a piece. And so what I try to explain to people is that if you're, it doesn't matter what what place you have your eggs in, whether you're putting all of your efforts into an e-newsletter, you're putting all your efforts into social, it's not effective long-term because any one of those things uh, is changeable. Like those things, those things are always changing and always adapting. So your, your audience, and if you don't know your audience and you don't know who they are, doesn't actually live on Instagram, you being there is kind of irrelevant. So that's kind of where I come into play and why I really encourage small business owners to not jump into tactics right off the bat because that can seem like the fun stuff because you're probably, you've probably got um, advertising sales reps contacting you. You've got social media people. You've got um, somebody who's got some course that can increase your your mailing list and all those sorts of things. You've got all these great salespeople telling you um, that you need to do all these things, but you're putting money and your hard-earned money into things that may not even be beneficial to your business, but because some really great sales rep told you that you need to do that, then you've dumped a whole bunch of money into something that may not even be successful. This goes for websites too. And I've, I can't even tell you how many times 
I've heard from small business people that somebody came in and told them that um, they're going to build them a website for $5,000 and get them on the top of Google and all of this nonsense. And if you're not, if you don't have a structured plan in place to be able to look at what your goals are for the year, what your actual target audience is, your messaging, all those things that your business needs and has, then you're basically spending money that you shouldn't. And I think that's the biggest thing. And so that's how, that's how social fits into the ladder. And all of these things are important. Social media, advertising, public relations, all of those things are all parts of the the, the wall, like building your, 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 your business wall, but you can't do one without actually having a fulsome plan and, and idea of what you want your business to be. hundred percent. Can you explain a little bit more, Alyssa, about what exactly a, like a business wall is? Well, like a business, yeah. So you're, I mean, a business is made up, I mean, of, of multiple different pieces of Cement. So if you're going to build a cinder block wall in your backyard or wherever and you're building, um, building a fence or building a, building a wall and you have multiple pieces of cinder block and all those pieces of cinder block have to all come together and be mortared and all those things so that it all builds up and your wall doesn't fall over. So it all has to be stable. So all of those pieces like social media, public relations, e-newsletters, uh, um, influencer marketing, all of those things are just individual cinder blocks. And those cinder blocks all have to connect to something larger. So if you, um, if you don't have an idea of your business's objectives, your goals, like what sort of, um, growth you want to have, what your, um, what your messaging is, what you actually want to say to people, all those things, reflect into those individual cinder blocks. So if your social media, your Instagram, and you've put all this money and time into Instagram, and you're doing X, Y, Z on Instagram, but you're doing ABC in your e-newsletter and none of those things connect on any level, then you're not really making a, a solid wall. And eventually those pieces are going to fall apart. So what the plan, what a plan is and what a proper plan, it should reflect a, a proper marketing communications plan should reflect directly into your overarching business plan, which I hope all small business owners actually have. And those objectives in your business plan and your operational plan should be reflected in a marketing plan that so the whole thing cohesively works together because if any one of those cinder blocks is out of alignment or or isn't properly um, put into place with put into place, then yeah. your wall falls apart. I love that, Alyssa. That's, and that is so key because oftentimes, and, it, and clients don't know any better, right? Like we're the experts. And so they'll come to you and they'll say like, I've heard Instagram is the newest and greatest thing, or I've heard TikTok is amazing. I want to get on there. It's like, okay, the getting on there portion um, is the most important piece that we need to flesh out. You're going to be bringing on my expertise to figure out and Alyssa's expertise to figure out if you belong on there um, and how that fits into your, your overall planning. So that kind of brings me to my first biggest point 
my, my first biggest point. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely midweek. Um, that brings me to uh, my, my first point within sort of the things I want to talk about today. And that is one of the, the best things you can do for yourself, whether it's now or at the end of the year when you're revamping your strategy for 2021, which you should always be revamping things year to year at least. So whenever the end of your fiscal year is, you should really be looking at, okay, what are my goals for the next fiscal year, for the next phase of my business? And how do I want to attain those goals? And that's building the wall that Alyssa was talking about. Rebuilding it, building it up, maybe even taking it down and, and um, redoing it depending on where you're at in your in your business cycle. But the biggest piece is rethinking or thinking about which platforms deserve your attention the most. So within marketing and public relations and just promotion in general and building a business in general, we have to always remember that we can't be everything to everyone. Certainly, there are going to be industries. Um, I'm going to call out real estate, mortgage, uh, mortgage brokerages, mortgage brokers that will need to reach more than just one audience. However, we should really be careful about trying to be everything to everybody. And within that, we don't being on every single social media platform is a going to put you in a place where you're completely burnt out and b as Alyssa was saying, your audience, I guarantee it is is not on all of these social media platforms. You've got to pick the ones that are going to work the best for you. And I would argue that you've got to pick the ones that you're actually kind of interested in doing just because social media marketing can take a lot of effort. Um, Content production, so just putting together your visual assets and your copywriting in and of itself is minimum, you know, 10 to 15 hours a month. So depending on what you're trying to do. So if you're trying to be on everything, I can guarantee you six months from now, you're going to look at three of your 10 channels that you're on. Um, and you're going to see that you haven't posted in like three months because you're completely burnt out and you have no idea really what you're doing. Um, and creating that level of content for that many channels is never a good idea. I would say 90% of the clients that come to me are, are on everything. And usually what I do is when I'm going through my audit process with them, which is uh, part of the first phase of the work we will do for clients is we will oftentimes pull them off of the platforms that they don't belong on. So the biggest thing that I'd recommend doing is going way back to, um, you know, going back to communications, schooling 101 and rethinking what your mission is for each of your channels. So if you're on Facebook, who's, who's the main audience on Facebook is your audience on Facebook. And if they are, what, what are you going to do on there? Are you going to do a live video every Wednesday where you discuss a particular topic? Are you going to push out uh, solely educational content on there? Um, Are you going to be utilizing Facebook as sort of a secondary website where you're getting reviews, where you're really doing your customer experience stuff, where you're interacting with your customers um, and they're DMing you a lot, that kind of thing? Is that what you're going to use Facebook for? and then conversely, like if, if your audience is in that 25 to 35 range, maybe Instagram is better for you. And if so, how are you going to use Instagram? Is it going to be very video heavy or is it going to be very visual heavy? And what is your channel going to look like? What's going to be the tone of your channel? What's going to be 
How are you going to project your voice and tell your story on Instagram? So there's lots of different things to consider uh, beyond just jumping onto the channels that seem to be trending. You know, there's a, there's a new channel that's trending every month. So uh, what you want to do is you want to make sure that you've got mission statements attached to each of the channels you're using. And then if you do want to bring on, if you want to onboard a new channel into your strategy, you want to make sure that you have a strategy for just that channel. And you want to make sure that it fits into your business wall, as Alyssa was saying. So the other thing that I think is consistently important in social media marketing as a tactic for a small business is making sure that you are using your data to consistently shape your activities. So if you don't have the dollars to purchase a subscription to Buffer, Hootsuite, Sprout, um, any other app that will give you in-depth reporting, you should at least be looking into the back end of your channels to understand a couple of different pieces. One of the things I'd like to point out is that followership, although very nice, is still what we would like, what, what I would call a vanity metric. Um, definitely, if you've got upwards of you know, thousands of followers, it's a great thing. It looks good. But you want to look at things like your engagement rate to understand whether or not those followers are actually following through with buying your product or accessing your services. And your engagement rate can be found by looking at your total followers and then how many people are engaging with or liking or commenting or reacting to your posts. So if you've got 20,000 followers on Instagram, but you're only averaging, say, 90 likes per post or 90 you know, reactions or or actions per post, your engagement rate is really actually quite low. Um, if you're averaging, you know, around 350 to 400 per post, then you've got a pretty decent engagement engagement rate, which means that people are actually, you know, inter- they're they're actually um, getting something from your content. If if you're just getting likes and you're not really getting any comments and you're not making any sales, like let's say you've got an e-commerce product. And you're getting all these likes and you have a huge following. But for whatever reason, your following is in a place that has nothing to do with where you're located and you're not making any sales. It doesn't matter that you have 20,000 followers because all of those efforts have turned you into some sort of Instagram superstar that's not really getting you any sales. So you, we always have to make sure that our social media marketing and any of our marketing activities are converting into actual bottom line conversions. Um, so don't get bogged down if you know your followership is taking a little bit of time to build because if you're making sales and making connections and um, getting that customer experience, um, then that's definitely better than a 20,000 followers, right? So just yeah. making... Yeah. So just making sure that we're... Sorry, I feel like I'm going down a rabbit hole here. Just <laughs> that we're like... Uh, really looking at our data to understand, you know, if if a certain 
campaign you've been doing week by week, like maybe you've decided to set up live Facebook videos every Wednesday. If those are barely getting a hundred, you know, a hundred ish views, or they're they're not getting very many views, then you may want to rethink that strategy and think to yourself, okay, well, what does my audience actually want to see? Maybe you want to put a poll out. Maybe you want to ask some questions. Maybe you want to do a survey just to understand what your consumers are looking for. That's a really good point, and I think it it loops back to what I was saying before in terms of <clears throat> knowing who your audience is before you even jump into these tactics, because if you aren't talking to the right people or the people who actually utilize your business or support your business or that you want to be your customers, then all of the effort, and it is a lot of effort to run these channels and to be consistent and be, um, be relevant on these channels, then it's just good money after bad. And I think that's, and that's where the frustration comes in with small small business owners is that you'll talk to a small business owner who has had multiple different consultants come in and tell them this and tell them that, and they've, they've done this and they've done that and nothing's worked. And they've, they've tried to deal with like a hundred people telling them that this is the new thing. And this is the new thing that they're exhausted and they're broke and they're, and and so then you're like the, the 51st person to come in and be like, well, actually you need to be looking at this. And sometimes you get a bit of a side eye, like, look, people, I've already, I've already been down this road. So that's what is, is really sort of frustrating from a consultant perspective. It's just that there's so many sort of fly by night people coming in and um, taking money from unwi- unwittingly um, naive small business people and um, causing them to, um, become frustrated and exhausted with the process. And so I think from our perspective, from what we do and how we sort of position ourselves differently is that we are more about the larger picture than coming in and trying to sell you on some um, specific product or some specific um, new uh, course or new, new, new thing that everybody um, is sort of out there doing because um, as a small business owner ourselves, I think we've we've both found that we've put money into things that haven't worked for us either. So it, you become a lot more savvy in in what it is that you want to be projecting to your own clients. Absolutely, and certainly within our process as well, um, we would hope that you have a fulsome marketing plan prior to working with us. However, if we need to do a specific strategy around just one or two channels, um, that's one thing that we always do before we take over any sort of channel management is we want to make sure we've got a thorough strategy in place. We understand your audience. Um, A lot of the time too, our team will do some pretty heavy consumer behavior research prior to doing anything in relation to taking over channels, just so that we thoroughly understand um, what the consumer needs. And another thing that Alyssa and I will do too is work in and around um, figuring out what the consumer needs. A lot of the time, your marketing campaign can solely be paying money um, or not paying money, but putting your dollars towards figuring out what the data is that you require to actually execute moving forward. So doing a campaign around really engaging with your consumer to ask them questions um, can usually can can be a really, really good way to kind of kick off the year um, and kick off sort of a new way of 
figuring out what your, your marketing planning should, should be like. So, yeah. yeah. So jumping off from that, um, new year kind of idea and and restructuring your business wall, what are some, what are some new trends or new things that you're seeing, um, in 2020, um, to help businesses or some, some interesting things that will make their lives a little easier on, on social? Yeah. So the top three things that I really have been using and also have enjoyed seeing come into the world over the last little bit. Um, one is actually not such a new feature, but it's one that I want to remind everybody of. So part of using Facebook and Instagram is understanding a little bit about how Facebook restricts and allows content to be seen. And that has to do with an algorithm that sorts content. Um, It's actually quite similar to if you play in the stock market a little bit, um, understanding how, how those algorithms work in order for various things to be seen. Um, and so basically there's a couple different like hacks you can do within the back end of Facebook specifically, because obviously Facebook owns Instagram. So it, it kind of fluctuates over to Instagram. Um, one of those things is making sure that you have your auto replies turned on in the back end of your Facebook messenger to ensure that anytime somebody messages you, there's a message going out right away so that people know that, you know, that there is a human behind the screen. Um, obviously this is an auto reply, so it is a little bit robotic, but you can, you can tailor your auto reply to be as personal as you want. And then you just want to make sure somebody from your team is on it with getting back to them right away. But what this does is it moves you kind of into a place where Facebook will take your page and your presence a little more seriously. If they see that you're interacting with your consumers in a really effective way. The other thing that it does is it, um, turns on what's called your response badge. And if you can get your response badge to be to have to have it so that you're responding in under one hour, um, Facebook will actually go ahead and move content that you're posting up into its algorithm a little bit higher, how I like to describe it, um, so that more people see it. So it's kind of like a back-end hack. So it's really easy to do. All you have to do is go into your messenger, which is usually on the left-hand side of your bar on like the left-hand side menu on Facebook. Um, and you click into there. And then when you're in your inbox, there's a section at the bottom uh, called auto replies. And you just want to click on that. And there's a variety of different ways to set up your auto replies. The only caveat I want to mention is I've been noticing that sometimes people get a little bit annoyed because they'll type an answer and the auto reply will happen again and again. So just make sure that you've got it only occurring one time and that you're on top of it with getting back to your customers right away. Um, That's a really important feature. Another feature, feature that I've seen recently on Instagram that's really cool is you can actually pin comments on Instagram now. So when you find a comment that, let's say really speaks towards the strength of your business or your story or is just really kind um, and kind of just really elevates your your presence as a business, you just have to swipe to the left where you've previously seen a handful of options, including reporting, deleting, and replying. And you'll see a thumbtack icon allowing you to pin the comment. And you're actually able to pin up to three comments per post. Um, So doing that will kind of 
as you would pin a con, uh, uh, like a post in Facebook or Twitter, doing that will kind of help to showcase what people are saying about your business, which is really cool. Um, the other thing that I'm really loving as of late, especially with everything that's been going on and, you know, the unfortunate result of, of COVID being that people have lost their jobs. A lot of people are looking for new jobs or looking for ways to reinvent themselves. Uh, LinkedIn has this awesome new feature called open for business. So essentially what you'll be using open uh, for business for is they allow it, it, the feature allows small business owners and professionals to network and connect with members looking for the services they offer. So it's, it's kind of like a search algorithm that allows service providers to, to reach potential clients. Um, if you just pop onto LinkedIn's Help Center, there's a really good page that we can actually throw into the show notes as well um, for both of these things. And there's a great little video that shows you how to enable the open profile feature. Um, and uh, it, will, it, will, it will help with like LinkedIn's ProFinder, which essentially connects people better with, with opportunities. And so it's an algorithmic thing again. Um, but yeah, we can pop this link into the show notes if you want to take a look at it. Yeah, those are really interesting. And I think um, the whole LinkedIn conversation is, is, is one that um, I think we'll do a whole show on because there's uh, so many new new tips and tricks on LinkedIn. Obviously you can go live on LinkedIn now. Um, there's the new, the new thing where you can pronounce your name so that if, you know, when people have um, interesting names and, and, and different sort of names and you feel uncomfortable with um, introducing yourself because you're not sure how to pronounce their name, you can actually on your own profile, put a, um, put a soundbite next to your name on your profile to, pronounce your name so that people uh, immediately feel more more comfortable approaching you because now they they know your name like uh, LinkedIn's come a long way I will say in terms of um, what it has been so I think um, the whole LinkedIn conversation I think we'll d- dive deeper into that in another episode but those are really interesting um, tips and tricks because I didn't know about the the pinning um, on Instagram either but one of my questions is, We've talked about sort of the the big channels that everybody um, from a business perspective is all well aware of and 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 has been um, investing time in for a decade now. But if you look at Snapchat and even TikTok, um, how? I mean, I think from a from a consumer perspective, you can we've all been on them and you've tested them out and seen what's going on. But how can you use those new channels from a business perspective? Yeah. So going back to this, this whole point that I made before, anytime you are bringing on onboarding a new channel into your social media portfolio, you want to make sure that you've got a full strategy before you start using it. But as far as TikTok and Snapchat go, just because they are two of the big, the bigger sort of headliners for 2020. And I would even argue 2019. um, I think both can be used if your audience fits within these channels. And I want to point out that you should always be doing, you know, reconnaissance and research into where are the audiences now? Because when we look at Snapchat, when Snapchat first started, we had a very youthful audience on Snapchat. Hilariously, parents are now signing on to Snapchat to watch what their kids are doing. And before, kids were using Snapchat because it was a place that their parents weren't 
practicing their own social media. Um, so when, if you're going to start using Snapchat now, you have to take into consideration that uh, around 60% of the audience at this point is actually uh, 25 and up. Um, I would even argue 35 and up um, because it's no longer just for youth. And there's, there's a lot more um, of that age group now using it. But Snapchat and TikTok are pretty video heavy um, channels. So certainly you want to make sure that your consumers really like video. You want to make sure that video fits in with your product or service offering. And you want to have a full plan for video. So you may want to go out and invest in things like a microphone that you can pin on your lapel if you're going to be doing video in noisy places. You may want to invest in a in a phone or an and in an iPhone or an Android that has really good video capabilities. Um, you may want to invest in things like a tripod if you're going to be using these channels. But I think both channels can be used from a small business standpoint. And I think that they're actually quite effective in, in getting any kind of key messaging across. But the other thing you're going to want to take into consideration for both of these channels is what is your plan from a templating perspective? Do you want your videos to be super organic and on the fly? Or do you want them to be highly tailored? Um, do you want them to have a very specific template and, and brand sort of guideline every time you use them? And if so, what do you need to, who do you need to hire and what do you need to do in order to execute on those things? Um, but yeah, I think my biggest feedback for those two channels is really making sure that you understand the audience because a lot of people will think that these channels are geared towards youth when really actually they're a giant kind of cluster of a number of different audiences and they change, you know, every quarter. So just making sure that you're always checking in to see who's using what. Um, the last thing I want to leave you guys with for Snapchat and TikTok that um, I won't get into a giant conversation about it, but both are actually really fantastic advertising platforms at this point. Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn actually are getting really expensive to advertise on just because so many people are using them and there's algorithmic restrictions that we've talked about a few times. TikTok and Snapchat don't have that yet. So they, they're actually quite effective to advertise on. So if you aren't super interested in, in having like you know, organic content on there. They're two really good channels to put together an advertising campaign um, and and do ads on there if your if your um, audience is on there. Obviously, advertising. There's there's many different things that go into advertising. Um, but I, I will say that I've got a couple of clients that we just purely do advertising on Snapchat and TikTok. Uh, we do display ads or experiential ads, and we don't even really have a channel on there. And we just kind of drive them back to our website. So that's really interesting. I mean, I've, um, I'm not a huge user of either channel. Um, I've, I've, I've experimented like most people do. And, and most people in our industry do when new things come out, you want to go on the channel and see what it's like. But, um, I've never really adopted it as, as for myself as a consumer, but I do find that interesting that the, the age group, um, has increased. And that's not surprising because let's be honest, the, the, the younger sort of um, millennial well, millennials aren't kids anymore; they're adults. But like the the what are they called now? The Gen Zs. Um, yeah. They will always find the next new platform. So I'm sure that they're already figuring out the next place they can go hide from their parents. I mean, because that's what kids do. But as channels become corporate, um, such as Snapchat and, and now TikTok, as they become 
corporate entities and they have advertising capabilities and they become places where major brands like Nike and Apple and all those things want to advertise on, that does attract that older demographic. So it is interesting to see. And I will note that just from a independent consumer perspective, not a business perspective, I find that both of those channels um, are much better at sort of documenting live action situations. So if you look at the current Black Lives Matter or or things that are going on, um, all the protests and things like that, following on Snapchat and TikTok is a much better way to sort of keep up on those things than, than the traditional channels. And I find that quite interesting too, that they're being used um, from a live action news perspective. It's, it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Just as we wrap up here, I just want to sort of go back to the larger um, marketing structure and, and how you should be, how businesses should be looking at their, at their full plan. And we've had the discussion in, in regards to individual channels and how social media sort of fits into that larger plan. And as we look towards the end of 20 or look towards the last half of 2020, I think there's some key things that, that small business owners um, need to keep in mind as they structure their last quarter marketing or even start looking into 2021 um, marketing planning. The, the world has changed and the, the expectations of consumers is changed significantly through this pandemic. And business owners need to really be thoughtful of that. And I think as you're planning your your next steps in building your wall or restructuring your wall, I think there's some key things that that you need to, that business owners need to be aware of. And one is to be empathetic. And Dakota mentioned it before in terms of people losing their jobs and people um, not having the disposable income that they once did. So ensuring that your messaging and your marketing reflects empathy and understanding what people are going through and their and that businesses are prioritizing community over competition and and community over money and all those sorts of things people are really paying attention to now um, one of the other things is to be agile so this means that if you um, if you have a current plan or 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 situation where you have five objectives that you want to reach by the end of the year, I would scale that back and maybe focus on three. Because I think in this current um, situation that we're in, being able to adapt and be agile to the, the, the quick changing landscape is going to be most beneficial from both a financial perspective for a business and from a from a customer perspective. So do do less better. And I think that's a key that that a lot of business owners should be looking at now um, is not trying to, to paint the wall. Like paint your wall, just focus on retrowing the individual cinder blocks. And that, that would be um, a better use of time and money. Um, and as we sort of have mentioned before, but I think this is a good place to end on is resetting, rethinking and repositioning your business right now. I think with the situation we're in, this is a great time for small businesses to kind of start again, just rethink where you're at 
and rethink your strategies and rethink how, how you want your business to be perceived and what you want to be putting out there um, in terms of being empathetic and, 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 um, and being and, and understanding the market that we're in. And I, um, the stories, I think storytelling is, is becoming much more important than the sales factor of any business right now. People do not want to be inundated with sales. They don't want to be inundated with, with product. They don't want to be inundated with those like typical kind of mattress ads like Larry's mattresses, sale, sale, sale. People do not want that now. They want to have, um, be, be told and made to feel that everything's going to be okay. And businesses have a role to play in that. And by rethinking how your, your marketing, your business and your products, I think will go a long way because it's more about story than it is about sales. And I think that's the, that's the key to all of this right now and how social media plays a role in that and being able to tell your story as opposed to hitting people over the head to sell them product. hundred percent. Yeah. They want that empathetic touch. They want the storytelling. They want to know about how you're going to fill a gap and how you're going to identify with that. Yes. And the key to all of this, and I mean, this may seem like a no brainer to most people, but it's, it's funny how um, this kind of gets lost in the shuffle, but being authentic, this is the other key thing that business owners need to understand is that your online, if, if your online persona and what you're projecting on your Instagram feed or your Snapchat advertising, whatever is different from the in-person experience your brand will become ignored by the public over the long term. So you need to under you need to be the same, whether it's in person or online. And people who are supporting your business need to know that the the people behind the brand are who they are. And being authentic is the key to um, to getting to that point. So like next time you're on Instagram, see if you can pick out that authentic content and how it makes you feel um, and then reflect on your own brand. And if that provides the same feeling to you that, the, that you've seen on Instagram, I think that's a good way for, for, for business owners to see, um, and sort of understand content. Like if, if content is resonating with you just as a consumer, is that what you're projecting as your own brand? I think that's a, it's a good lesson for people. Yeah, exactly. And the last thing, yeah, I, I just want to reiterate what Alyssa said in terms of you don't have to rebuild your whole plan, nor should you, because if your plan's working for you, it should just be maintenance of that wall. So if you're bringing on a new channel, you know, just making sure you've got a strategy around that channel so that you're not just randomly and haphazardly throwing content onto it and just understanding whether or not that channel is going to resonate with, with your, your goals and your audience. Um, yeah, but you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. And if, if you are reinventing the wheel, you know, repeatedly, something's probably great. Um, but yeah, no, definitely, you know, maintaining that wall is, is kind of what you want to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we've covered a lot that we've sort of hit the hit the time limit. But um, 
both Dakota and I's contact information will be in the show notes along with some of the things we've talked about today, um, some links and things like that. But feel free to reach out to us on the Ladies Who Launch Instagram feed, which is ladieswholaunch.yyc. Send us a DM, continue this conversation because I think there's probably going to be a lot of questions um, raised out of this, which is great. And we are happy to um, answer those questions and uh, help people through this process of uh, finding your voice on, uh, in the digital landscape. For sure. And Alyssa, can you re- reiterate our Instagram handle? It is ladieswholaunch.yyc. Perfect. Yes. Awesome. Um, and we'll also be putting a couple of those guides, like I said, into the show notes as well. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, Take guys, care, have a great day. And we will see, we will be here for the next couple of weeks for the next episode. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Ladies Who Launch with Dakota and Alyssa. We drop new episodes every other Wednesday, so be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. 